Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening to you, however you may be listening, and wherever you may be listening. This is the Man on the Post podcast, once again, one of our many World Cup daily specials, and we've got a special one for you today. As I'm sure you know, the news, Germany being eliminated, spoiler alert, too late for spoiler, spoiler alert, Germany have been knocked out, so... But I'm sure you knew that anyway. But enough about that. Let's get on first with introducing our panel for tonight. You've got me, Matthew Baldwin, in the host. And we've got two very special guests for you tonight. Joining us first, all the way from the Netherlands, is James Rowe. James, a good evening to you. Good evening, fellas. How are you both? Good, good. And joining Hello. us from somewhere in America, his location has not quite yet been disclosed to me. It's Justin. Justin, how are you? Doing fine. I'm in North Carolina. North Carolina. Okay, fair enough. Is the soccer fever gripped North North Carolina yet? It has. It has. Um, it, it's it's funny, despite uh, the the US not qualifying this time around. I've, I've I've sort of eavesdropped on more World Cup conversations this year than ever before. Fair enough. Right. So let us kick off straight away with it. Uh, did we decide who was going to take group? Uh, we'll start off in uh, chronological order. Rather than group order, because for some reason FIFA decided to put Group F first rather than Group E. Just doesn't make sense, but let's go with it anyway. Uh, who wants to kick us off? Um, well, who did, you, who did we decide was going to go with uh, Group F? Well, we decided to, to both uh, share... Well, both, okay, both, okay. Both but I'll, I'll start if you like. Yeah, more, uh, yeah, more the merrier. So there's only really one place to start with Group F. Uh, the big news certainly rocked the whole of the footballing world is that Germany have been knocked out. Not only that, they have finished bottom of the group after a very, well, to some extent, surprising performance against South Korea. James, did uh, did you expect it to be this bad for the Germans? No, I, no, I didn't. I, I thought there was a certain amount of arrogance in the squad that Joachim Lowe picked. Uh, him, by his own admission, picking players with four years in mind smacked of a bit of arrogance because you would think that you would concentrate on the job in hand. It struck me as well that the normal lifespan of a national team manager, especially in the UEFA coefficient, is uh, one World Cup and, European Cham- and then one European Championship. And Joachim Löw has been involved in the in the German national setup for more than a decade now, and uh, I think maybe he's perhaps run his course or, or thought that he was a bit untouchable and that he could do whatever he wanted. And uh, but I think it just goes to show how lucky Germany were four years ago. I mean, they had the leadership of Philipp Lahm, who dragged them through and, and got them through to the uh, 
to the final upon which they won. And you didn't see any leaders this time around. And I, I just think it, it brings home, uh, for me personally, how lucky they were four years ago. And it's the first time they've failed to get out of a World Cup group since 38. So it's, um, it's a first for everybody today. But um, I think it's just uh, what goes around comes around, you know. And uh, the for luck they've had with penalty shootouts and uh, the disallowed goal against England in 2010, you know, everything takes time. But I think this time, karma's come back around for them. And uh, it's it's a big uh, it's a big uh, it's something which you're going to have to accept, which they didn't expect. But uh, it's a big shock. But um, yeah, it is what it is, really. Now, Justin, I'm sure that the the main headline and the main talking point out of this will be Germany's bad performance of the game, particularly that last sort of five ten minutes when they were desperately going forward. It just seemed that they literally did throw the kitchen sink at it. But we must give some credit to South Korea. Who gave it? Who gave an absolutely fantastic performance, in particularly, in particular, the goalkeeper Cho Hyun Woo. I'm sure I pronounced that incorrectly, but the South Koreans, for all their credit, gave an incredible performance. Won't you agree? I would agree, and very easily with a better selection of final ball. Uh, who knows what what score it could have been? They they absolutely tore through Germany's midfield a half dozen times and had uh, the odd man over on, on the counter, and just always sort of seemed to pick the the, the worst possible final ball from that position. But um, they the goalkeeper was wonderful. They gave a great account of themselves. Never you know didn't really see them getting a couple late goals, but they did. Um, I, I think uh, with all the talk about VAR, we saw it. You know, we saw the, the the benefit of it as it as it uh, a goal that had originally been been flagged for offside. Realized the ball came off Tony Cruz and therefore was was not offside. Um, and then a man. We, we we speaking of German arrogance, and I never I hesitate to put the boot in to a goalkeeper, but but on more than one occasion, Manuel Neuer has has said publicly to the press that he would be a very good outfield player. And that's always bothered me just a little bit because I've never really thought that's particularly true. Um, what he does outside the box with the, with the ball at his feet is generally in space and not under any sort of pressure. And so when he went forward today, it wasn't a very good ball that was played to him, but he did get taken it, get it taken off him for the second goal. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe just a, a humbling day all around for Germany. Yeah, something tells me he's not going to be trying that again. Now, the sort of aftermath of this, we've got to rattle through these things very quickly because we've only got half our time limit, as by the rules of our boss, Ross. Um, a lot of the, there's been a lot of talk, uh, some talk rather, in the aftermath that Joachim Lowe uh, is going to be considering his future with the German national team. Now, James mentioned it earlier, you know, that you know, the normal span of a international manager is one World Cup and your regional tournament, so basically four years. Joachim Lowe's been there for, you know, since after 2006 World Cup. Do you now think it's time for Joachim Lowe to know, give something else a go? Justin, I'll sort of start with you first. I do. I mean, James is right that there's a reason that, that these managerial appointments at the national level have a lifespan. Um, and uh, I think it is time and a perfect opportunity, really, to, to step aside. And where do you see him? Where do you see him going, personally? We, we've got an opening in this country for a national team manager. But I, 
in all in all seriousness, I expect that uh, he will get an approach from the U.S. Federation. I'm pretty sure the last German to take over the U.S. team didn't that never that didn't end so well, did it? No, it didn't didn't work out so well. You're right. Now, James, I joked with you earlier about you know he should have taken the Arsenal job, you know, back last year when it was available. You know, he should have taken the Arsenal job. And, I, you know, that was a joke. But seriously, I think that his next job is somewhere in club management. Do you, do you, do you think that's the same? Or do you, do you agree with Justin that, you know, he'll move on to another national team? I think another national team will be more feasible. He hasn't managed a club since 2005. And I think when, if you're in charge of a football club, you'll be looking at those kind of stats. Because to be out of the game at club level for more than a decade can be quite telling. So I think it's more feasible for him that he will get perhaps another national team job. But it'll be very interesting to see who Germany turned to because there's, there's lots of good German coaches around and they always used to select the, um, the, the, the right candidate. You know, it's only, it only seems like, I know it's a long time ago, but there was a, it's a, there's a pretty well-known story that they almost gave the job to Roy Hodgson back in the early 2000s. And the only reason why they didn't is because they went back to him to say that we're German and we have to be seen to getting our own house in order. We can't give this job to a foreigner. So uh, it just goes to show how quickly things can change with the stability they've had. But I'm, um, I'm really intrigued as to who Germany would look to turn to. OK, so that's the Germans the Germans covered. Now we move on to the next, to the other game in the group. And again, another another surprising result. You know, many people have said Mexico are going to be the dark horse of the tournament. You know, could do well, especially after their uh, first performance against the Germans in round one. Uh, James, did you just see this as... I've, I've no idea how much of the game you watch, because my eyes, I personally, my eyes were all all on the Germany game. So I only sort of flicked through and sort of saw the highlight. But do you think this was the Mexico, the Mexicans just taking taking the gas off the pedal a bit? You know, you know, all their focus is now on what's going to happen in the next round. Or do you think it was just a very a very good Swedish side? Um, I think it's a very good Swedish side that uh, that gave everything they've got to get over the line. I've uh, but when we had our preview pods uh, leading up to the World Cup, I championed Sweden having watched them firsthand because they were in the same group here as the Netherlands and uh, watched them live in the game in Amsterdam, knowing that they'd also won against uh, against France in the qualifying group. They went on to eliminate Italy. And there's some good uh, there's some good players in that squad. And the, the manager as well seems to have uh, everybody working together. I thought Andreas Langfist, again, with a fantastic penalty. Really well taken. And um, they've got Emil Forsberg and Marcus Berg, who used to play here in the Netherlands for Groningen. And, and they've got some good players about them. And um, I think their last 16 matchup against uh, Switzerland, I think that's going to be a really tight affair. Mm. Justin, do you share the uh, same confidence that James has? Do you think that the Swedish could do well in their next, in their next, uh, in their next game in the round of 16? Absolutely. Uh, they're... they're, they're... They played a very relaxed and confident game today, and the, the, there's no great holes in that in that starting eleven. I think from Mexico's perspective, it wasn't a tremendous shock to me because one thing we over here on on this side of the pond have seen from Mexico in the past is they don't always do that well when there's some expectations uh, surrounding the side, and and uh, they went into the World Cup with a really good feeling about their squad and. A lot of support from the Mexican public and even from some some U.S. fans who've adopted them unofficially. Um, 
and a couple of wins in the first two group games has, has sort of, um, it, it seemed like they just didn't play with the same uh, freedom of, of thought and expression today. They, they seemed a little bit burdened by the idea that now they're supposed to be good, they're expected to be good, and, uh, and it resulted in them not being good. Okay, so that just about wraps up Group F. Yep, to make sure I got it in the right order on my little map here. Uh, now we move on to the somewhat more straightforward matter of Group E, and we'll start off with Serbia versus Brazil. A, you know, a comfortable win for Brazil, two uh, 0 against a very, a very tough Serbia side, especially with the great Alexander Mitrovic leading the line for them. James, is this finally? I, I say finally. It's only two thousand two that when they last won their World Cup. Do you think that Brazil finally have a team that can go and win the World Cup, or do you still see better teams, better teams out there? No, I think this is a fantastic Brazil side with a great ethic. And if you think how far they've come from 2010 when they uh, were tied up in knots by a Netherlands side and then and was and was completely defeated by frustration by, uh, by themselves, I think the manager Chichi has really got really tapped into something and, and one thing I found really interesting is he has what they call a rotating captain where every diff, every group game until now they've had a different captain and um, the players all seem to buy into that you know when, when you are captain like for example uh, Thiago Silva was captain against Costa Rica and tonight he wasn't they had the Miranda the Inter Milan player and the maturity of the players to accept that, to accept that there was perhaps a captain in the previous match and now someone else is going to be captain, but to still have the uh, togetherness to, to all pull in one direction, I think it's really, I think it's um, a very, very smart move. My only reservation about that would be if they come up against it somewhere between now and a potential final, uh, how are they going to deal with that as a collective group? But that's perhaps for another time. But I just think Chichi as well, you know, with his experience with Corinthians in Sao Paulo and knowing the Brazilian game, I thought uh, Fagner as well, the right back, is a somewhat unknown quantity. He slotted in really well. So I think there's, um, there's every chance they could win this uh, World Cup for a sixth time. Indeed. Justin, do you share James's optimism about the Brazilian team? Or again, do you think that, you know, of Mexico in the first, in the round of 16, that's a that's a very good test for them. Do you see them getting past that and then going through the rest of the tournament, or do you think they'll be, you know, um, they'll be unstuck somewhere along the line? I, I do expect they'll get past Mexico. I think that would be a great game. I look forward to it. I think Brazil had their nervy performance against Costa Rica and uh, left it late and came through it, and and they went through a difficult patch today at the start of the second half where they absorbed a lot of pressure and there were some chances for Mitrovic and others, um, but but in the end. Um, Brazil righted themselves and saved the ship and I, I, I haven't heard I apologize that I haven't heard um, any updates on Marcelo um, I don't know if, if it's considered to be a, an injury that's likely to keep him out of, of that Mexico game or, or any any further than that um, I, I think he presents a really difficult uh, preparation tactical preparation issue for any opponent for Brazil just because he's so rampant and unpredictable, um, predictable in his unpredictability, um, and he's a great dynamic physical element for Brazil, and it would be a difficult loss for them, but uh, I do think they'll have enough to get past, past Mexico. 
Indeed, now we move on to the uh, second part of Group E, and that's Switzerland struggling to a uh, draw against, again, a very very decent Costa Rica side. Yeah, it, no, they uh, were the team that uh, t came top of their group last time out, so we knew that uh, Costa Rica you know, was some feasible and tough opponents to get through. You know, does this result say more about you know, how tough a group this was with the likes of Costa Rica, or is this more, you know, Switzerland have managed to, uh, I wouldn't say luck their way through, but, you know, just did enough to get through. James, I'll start with you. Have you been impressed with Switzerland so far this tournament? Yeah, in patches, especially in the Brazil game I was. And uh, I think Costa Rica were the, if, if I remember rightly, the, the last team in this World Cup to score uh, to score a goal. So I'm pleased that they managed to score. I also saw at half-time... Uh, um, the uh, the highlights of the first half where they hit the underside of the bar and uh, and had some chances. Jan Sommer was forced in to a few good saves, but there, there's some good players in that Switzerland squad. You know, not just Sheldon Shakiri, but also Granit Xhaka, the goalkeeper Jan Sommer, and a player who I've rated for a long time, uh, Ricardo Rodriguez, who plays for AC Milan. Yeah, Justin. Yeah, same question to you. Do you see? I know we you predicted earlier that. Uh, you think Sweden could beat Switzerland in their next game, but you know, is this a is this a decent Switzerland side, or is this just a case of they got lucky, someone had to fall into the second place, and it just happened to be them? But I mean, I think they, I think when you consider their resources and the, the player pool they have to choose from, uh, they, they've done well um, to be there. And I, I think, and, and James mentions Jan Sommer. It's the save of the World Cup for me, the one he made on the header down low that he touched onto his onto his post. Um, I got to see a fair amount of that game. As, as of course, we're all forced to switch between games, but I had a stream that was working for a little while, um, and I agree that they have they have some danger players in in their side. Um, I don't think they'll get past. I think they've gone as far as as they will go. I don't see them getting past Sweden, but but um, they've done well to be here. Okay, so that more or less wraps up our review of today's action. Now we get into the debate side that I like. To, I always like to have a little bit of a debate, you know, so what's going on behind the scenes and everything. And it sort of comes back to what we was uh, to the whole Germany result. Now I'm pretty sure you've seen the I wouldn't even I wouldn't call it a meme, but there's a tweet. There's all stuff on social media going around about how you know France, who won it in '98, had their capitulation in 2002. You know Brazil did okay to an extent in 2006. Then the 2006 wins. I'm sure you've seen the thing about how teams who win the World Cup go out of the group stage. So my question is, why is it, you know, certainly recently, why is it so hard for these teams that win the World Cup to then go on and do, you know, at least reach the semi-finals or the final? You know, they're obviously good enough teams to have won the World Cup to start with. You know, it, does it just show that there's a whole lot of luck that goes into winning a World Cup? Or is it just a case of... Uh, you know, as, as James said, with the whole cycle thing, you know, a, a team is only good for one cycle, and it's just a case of when, when you hit the sweet spot of and getting all the team together to win the tournament. Is it, is it just a one-time thing, James? I'll I'll throw over to you first. Um, I think it, first and foremost, it shows how long four years is in football. I think that's what it shows with uh, new players that come through, a new manager. Uh, opponents that arise like for example when Senegal beat France in the opening game in 2002 things can change very quickly in football and I think that those uh, within the four year cycle that's an awful lot 
And uh, I think as well, something could also be said for, for players that win the previous World Cup. The pinnacle has been achieved. They've done it. They've something they've all dreamt, dreamt about dreamt about ever since they were children. It is done, and and I, I, naturally there's a motivation going to a World Cup. But I think maybe for some players as well, the safety net for them is that they've won it, and that should they not win it the following tournament, it's it's not necessarily the end of the world. I think it, in the case of Germany uh, with this World Cup, Matt, they didn't help themselves with squad selection. Um, if you look at uh, Italy as well in 2010, um, there was um, Marcello Lippi returned, and it was a bit um, a bit unpredictable behind the scenes. Uh, Spain as well four years ago in a difficult group with the Netherlands and Chile, and um, and coming to the end of their cycle. So timing is very important, but I think it just goes to show that within the four years you get a new teams that arrive that arise new approaches as well and I think it's just a culmination of things really okay now just I'll throw the same question to you and you know you're this is something you'll be very familiar with you know because in the terms of the Super Bowl again I don't think a team no team has repeated in the Super Bowl since the 2004 2005 Patriots so the question you know, how why is it so hard for a team to repeat you know winning the World Cup I mean I take what James said with, you know, players wanting, you know, once they've won one, that's it. But there would have been players in the Germany side. Timo Werner is the only one that really comes to mind at the moment because I don't have the squad lists from four years ago right in front of me. But there would have been players in that Germany side that weren't part of the team in 2014. So surely they would have had the motivation to go and win it. But obviously that didn't, didn't turn up in this tournament. Yeah, it's true. Um, it's, it's, there's going to be different motivation from player to player, but I, I do think James's point is valid. If you have players that have won it, there is. It's difficult to match the desire and hunger um, when you when you come up against a side that that want that feeling, that are chasing that feeling. I, I would add two things to the points that James made, and he actually referenced one of them earlier. When is the last time? somebody won the World Cup without penalties being involved in any of their games. I mean, they're, they're very, they play a very regular part in the knockout rounds and the final itself. And I, I don't believe that pennies, penalties are completely a lottery, but you certainly you certainly can lose any, any penalty shootout. Um, so, so teams that have won the World Cup uh, and, and to do so have won penalty shootouts haven't really, you know, they, they've won the World Cup, but they haven't necessarily unequivocally made the case that they're the best side in the world. They've just won that tournament, which happens to use a somewhat arbitrary method to decide some really critical matches. So so that's the first thing I would say. And then the second thing I would say is that you, you get a, a little bit of a problem with team selection when you win the World Cup because there are players that become difficult to drop. And I think we've seen some defending champions persist with players they shouldn't have in 2014 i think spain uh paid paid a bit of a price for persisting with the Kyrgyzis when he was not even the regular number one at his club anymore but he was such an icon for the national side um and he was sadly far below his best at that tournament although he has rebounded somewhat uh, since moving to portugal but um you could look at a couple of german players 
at this tournament. I would have told you 10 years ago that Thomas Mueller would end his career as the World Cup's all-time leading goal scorer because I thought he was on track to do that. And that's predicated on them always being in the, the latter rounds of the tournament. And he seemed to be a little bit of a shadow of himself uh, this time around. And it just, uh, I, I think sometimes you persist with players that, that won you things in the past. And as James said, four years is a very long time in football. Yeah, and it's inter- it's interesting you you mentioned the point about Icasius with the Spanish, and of course Germany did the same because I think Manuel Neuer hasn't played a club game since September. So absolutely, I you know I take your point. There is there is a sense of you know picking the best players rather than the best rather than the best team. James, is there any, do you want to sort of expand on anything that Justin said? No, I think Justin made some uh, very good points uh, following on uh, from when you first um, came to me with a question. I think I think there's um, lots of uh, points have been made about a very interesting about a very interesting subject. Good. Now we have five minutes left. Is there anything just general topics that anyone wants to throw out? You know, we've got some time to kill. Anyone want to talk about anything else? You no know, World Cup related. What's the best kit? What's the worst kit? Anything along those lines? I'll throw it over. Well, did did, did we 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 did see the the. Costa Rica, Costa Rica equalising goal, didn't we? The Brian Ruiz penalty. Uh, I have not. No, because I was busy. Uh, I was busy setting this okay, up. Well, we've so uh, that, that had, that's certainly a contender for strangest goal of the World Cup thus far, and we've had some strange ones e- even today in the Germany match. But Ruiz's penalty hit the crossbar, hit Jan Sommer in the back of the head, and went in. Ah, well, I've seen that. I've seen that a couple of times. Yeah, I've seen that. A couple. I think Mark Schwartz has been guilty of been, been guilty of it once for Fulham. So yeah, James, is there yeah. anything? Is there anything you want to throw up? Um, perhaps we could give our predictions for the final round of group games tomorrow. Yep, absolutely. Uh, let's see what we've we got on the docket. We've got Japan versus the already eliminated Poland, uh, Senegal versus Colombia, which that's the one my attention's going to be on. I mean, that's that seems like a good game. And then obviously the one in the evening, England against Belgium, and the dead rubber there is Panama versus Tunisia. I really feel for the person who has to present that for ITV, knowing that there are zero people going to be watching it. But anyway, yeah, absolutely. Good idea, James. Let's kick it off. Japan versus Poland. James, you suggested you kick off. Uh, my prediction would be 2-0 uh, to Poland. Ooh, even though, so even though Poland, nothing to play for, you think they'll go out and, you know, similar to South Korea, go and upset the apple cart? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think there's too much pride within that group. Uh, to, to sign off uh, without a victory, I thought it was really strange in the, the Colombia game that they brought on Camille Glick when he's their best defender. Yes, he suffered an injury, and, and there was touch and go as to whether he would uh, go to the World Cup. But surely you pay, you play your best defender. Uh, following on in the same group, I fancy Colombia to beat Senegal. And um, I, I just think they'll get, they'll gain so much confidence from the uh, from the game against uh, Poland in a manner upon which they they dealt with Poland. And going on to the uh, Group G, I, I think Tunisia will get their win against Panama, and I think that Belgium will beat England two one. So you're in the so are you so are you in the group of you want England to lose because it puts them in the in the quote unquote easier side of the draw? 
if I can just make one important point about that suggestion. You like this point, I know. You're very passionate about this point, and I respect you for I, it. I cannot, for the life of me, understand how ex-footballers, professional footballers that have, that have played tournament football are trying to advocate to viewers and fans of football that you can pre-plan your way uh, through an international tournament. I just, I cannot believe it. I, I think it's complete nonsense. As we know now, we are going to have a quarter-finalist of Sweden or Switzerland. Now, before the tournament started, I don't think anyone would have said that Switzerland or Sweden would reach the last eight. I think to for people that... Um, that believe that you can pl plan your way through a tournament. I think they're, to put it politely, I think they're very naive. And um, it, it, tournament football it, at any level, but particularly at that level, it doesn't work out like that. And uh, for people to kind of sell hope in that respect and to tr kind of juggle pieces of a puzzle, I, I think it's very naive. Very well taken, Justin. I throw it over to you. What do you see? What do you see happening? What do you see happening tomorrow in the uh, penultimate, well not the penultimate, but in the final final group game? This, this is the last day, this is going to be the last day for about a week where we have multiple games on one day. We're down to one game a day after this. Yeah, that's that's dreadful. I'm, it is I'm, sad, I'm, it is sad. Don't remind me of that, it's, mm. been, it's been great. But I, I agree with, uh, I, I would... I would second james's picks in the first three games i think england will get a draw out of the belgian game um lukaku not playing and also the comedy potential of how they'll end up deciding the group um so it wouldn't surprise me if that last game if the england belgium game finishes 1-1 i know i know we just we just touched on it with with james's point there but seriously how does how does gareth southgate a pro, and to an extent, Roberto, well, Roberto Martinez we know about because he said that he's gonna, he is going to rest players. But how is Gareth Southgate, you know, the night before the game? What's he thinking about at a time like this, when he knows win, and he's going into, you know, as much as much as I respect James's point, win, and you're going into the harder section, and if you lose, you've a, you've killed the momentum, but you're going into the easier half. How is Gareth Southgate dealing with this? I think the easiest way to deal with it is to try to win the game. Um, the, the the benefits that come with that, you've got to beat. Presumably, you have to beat some pretty good teams to win the entire thing, anyway. Um, and then the benefit of winning the game, continuing the good feelings through through the squad um, that, that you get from winning games. I think uh, you know it is it is we, we some of the the group finishes do mean that. Um, there's a benefit potentially to finishing second, but I just think I think that's outweighed by by the fact that you've got to play those teams down the road eventually anyway, um, and you you keep good feelings throughout the entire squad if you keep winning games. So you may as I think he, I, you've got to face the team sometimes. I, may as well get them out of the way. Yeah, and I, and, I, and I think that it's the same for, for, for Belgium and Roberto Martinez. He may not pick as strong a squad, but he still wants the squad he picks to win the game. The players he does pick will be, will be trying their very best to win it. Um, there's a, there's, there is a degree of pragmatism that can come in when you are uh, reliant on a, a few players or, or there's some players whose fitness or uh, injury situations you may be concerned about. And so there's a benefit of giving them, them a rest in, in a game like this. But even allowing for that, you want to win the game. 
Yep, absolutely. And that is just about all the time we have for on this one of our many Man on the Post World Cup specials. Um, please don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter at Man on the Post, and each of us has their own Twitter account that you can follow as well if you so desire to. I am uh, at MattRees63, M A T T R H Y S 63. Justin is on Twitter, and he is. Uh, at Keepers underscore Union. Uh, James is on Twitter, and he is. At James Rowe NL. Rich leaves, which means there's only one more thing to do, and that's to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from James. Goodbye, everybody. It's a goodbye from Justin. Thanks for listening. And always remember to have your man on the post. <laughs>